Ahoy there, ghosts and ghouls. We're coming to you live from the wreck of the battleship Yamato, pride of the Imperial Navy and final resting place to some 2,500 sailors of the Imperial Japanese Navy, who, on the afternoon of April 7, 1945, were repeatedly torpedoed and sent down to the briny depths of Davy Jones' locker. You'll notice that the fog is thick tonight and that the seas are rough. If you look to the east and to the north, you'll notice that just beneath the storm clouds, just above the shoreline, there is a faint flicker, barely visible in the distance. That flicker is Okinawa's Naha port, and there, like in the rest of Japan, night has fallen, and consequently, the streetlights are on. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this, our sixth episode, guys. With me is uh, first mate and co-host Daniel. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody. We're excited to be joining you guys today. Um, this is going to be the last installment of what ended up being uh, our Japan series. I'm going to come at you with a nautical-themed story that I wanted to share with you guys just because while researching the other stories, the relationship between Japan and the sea and just sailing traditions in Japan really fascinated me. So I wanted to do one kind of bigger story that had to do with that. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, co-host Daniel is going to again come at you guys with some urban legends from Tokyo and Japan's other urban centers. Um, without further ado, I think we can just jump right into it, right, Daniel? Yes, I do agree. I'm really excited to hear this um, sea adventure that you're about to like, you know, tell us. You know, I never really looked into any type of uh, sea monster, like sea yokai in general. So I'm really excited. Go ahead. All right. So th thank you for that, first of all. But uh, just going to fill you guys in. The reason that we're broadcasting from the Yamato's wreckage and not from Daniel's studio apartment that he shares with a few cats or my bedroom that, you know, currently living with my parents, but that's beside the point. Um the reason why we decided to record it in this historic site is that the ship's fate, like the fate of the vast majority of Japan's Pacific fleet, reminds us, reminds both of us that for the people of Japan, death is not confined in any way, shape, or form to the mainland. Uh, being an island nation and being a home to a proud seafaring people, Japan's relationship with the sea is an integral part of its identity. Um, as it's the source of both many of its blessings and many of its curses, it's really the focal point of its ambitions and its fears, the origin of its nightmares, and the final destination for weary souls. We chose the site while researching the first yokai that we're going to talk about today. That is, of course, the Funa Yurei. Now, the Funa Yurei, Scourge and Terror of the Seas, are a prolific yokai. They're found all over Japan. And the reason for that is that they claim dominion over Japan's not only seas, but waterways, including, but not limited to, its canals, rivers, lakes, and streams. In short, any place in which an unfortunate sailor might drown. Uh, Funayurei translates roughly to ship ghouls, quote-unquote, and that's exactly what these beings are, really. They're the former crew of fishing schooners, battleships, rowboats, dinghies, or really any other embarkation unlucky enough to go down under the waves or to lose a man to the sea. Um, that's the reason why I couldn't help but think of the countless men who lost their lives 
in the Pacific during World War II, tens and tens of thousands of them at the very least. Uh, as far as Japan's Imperial Navy is concerned, at least, uh, men who in the final desperate stages of the war served as cannon fodder for a crumbling empire and who in death, at least according to this legend, which actually saddens me uh, quite a deal, um, may now number among the spectral legions of deceased mariners that prey on the unsuspecting living and aim to drag them down to their watery graves so that they may share in the same suffering as them. Dear God. Okay, you know, kind of, I know you just started the story, but damn, there's so much to talk about already. First of all, you're telling me that these fuckers have a whole domain? There's like, that's a lot of water, like, in Japan. They're surrounded by water. There's, they're an island nation, which is why I think this myth is particularly scary, because human beings have always been afraid of the ocean, afraid of the sea, and of the unknown. So imagine being... Uh, a country that's literally surrounded by water on all sides. And that's a boon to them that, that provided them with protection throughout their history. It, you know, provided them with trade. But at the same time, this kind of sense of isolation, I'm sure, was always there. Dear Being God. surrounded by the unknown. Well, that's exactly why. Like, water, like, ocean in general already gives me the heebie-jeebies. So just the fact that there's a yokai that, like, you know, has a specific domain around Japan just made me not want to go to Japan anymore. Right. We already don't know what's in the ocean. It's 90% of it is unexplored. And now you add these fuckers into the mix. Exactly. Japan already has folklore and urban legends on the streets. So they're not safe there. And now you're telling me they're not even safe in their own waters. So you could count me out. The, the safest country in the world, arguably. Alaska. And you're And you're not safe anywhere. Oh, I thought you were saying the safest place. And I said Alaska. My bad. Is, is Alaska really the safest yep. place? I don't believe that, but let's continue. <laughs> let's continue. Let's not fact check us, guys. Um, but yeah, um, I couldn't help but think of it. These these uh, yokai are really the spirits of drowned sailors. So being a huge history buff, at least I consider myself a history buff, I just started thinking about the Pacific and you know how many tens of thousands of sailors drowned there. So now are all these tens of thousands of people Funayure now? Are they just prowling the sea lanes looking for sailors to drown and to drag down to the depths of because that's a fuck ton. That is a fuck ton. Because if 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 you limit it to fishermen, which is traditionally what the story's about, drowned fishermen and sailors uh around Japan's coastal waters who die and now um want others to share their same fate, that's one thing. But now you have this war where hundreds of thousands, millions of people die in the hall hole. But with respect to sailors, it's it's still a very a very large number. And now, according to this legend, they may now be part of this phenomena of of ship ghouls, ship which uh, is what Funayure you know translates to. Just like so spirits on a ship, or they are the ship. They're they're the spirits of men who have drowned at sea, and the ship is just I guess a uh, a vehicle. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll get into. We'll get into right now uh, the typical, if I can even use that word, the typical encounter with this yokai. Now, Funa Yurei appear in large groups aboard phantom fishing skiffs, so just derelict ships that look unkempt and uncared for, something that you might see in an old movie. Um, they emerge from beneath the waves to the sound of beating funeral drums behind a glowing light that can be seen just beyond the fog. 
Um, Wait, did you just say beating funeral drums? So like these these ghost people have like a whole ghost choir too now or what? So yeah, so if you're a band nerd and you happen to be unfortunate to drown uh, around Japan, these guys are gonna scoop you up. If if you're in the drum line, um, then yeah, you're you're gonna be among the funayure. Uh, but I guess I didn't give much thought to it. But uh, as far as funerals in Japan, the the funeral drums are a big part of the ceremony. So I think it's that coupled with the fact that the that the rhythm is supposed to increase as they get closer. And of course, uh, the sound of the drums gets louder as they approach. So it's the combined effect of the glowing light that you can just barely see until they're right on top of you. And the, you know, beating of the drums right up to the point where again, they're right on top of you and there's nothing you can do. So the growing suspense of, of this, you know, spooky sound and this eerie light closing in on you, you don't really know where it is because they appear in the fog um, until... They're, they're right there, and what can you do at that point? Damn. So, you know, pretty much you'll, you'll notice them. When you notice them, it's already too late then. Yeah, there's that, that, at, that point, at that point, there's no way to break the contact. And this happens when you're isolated, usually not too far from shore. But, yeah, you're, you're alone. It's them, and, and it's you. And what they'll do is that they'll, they'll ask sailors and fishermen when they approach the boat. Um, they'll ask them for a ladle. Uh, this seemingly innocuous request, however, veils a sinister danger that you're not going to be aware of until, again, it's too late. Now, if a sailor refuses the demand for a ladle, you guys know what it is, that little thing they use to pour, you know, soup in a bucket. A bucket. Guys, I don't eat soup in buckets. The, the little instrument they use to pour soup in a pot, um, that but with a longer handle. Yeah, it's like a big-ass, weird-ass spoon. A big, yeah, big, weird-ass spoon is what these guys demand. And if the sailor refuses that demand or is otherwise unable to produce a ladle, then the funayure will begin to rock the sailor's vessel, increasing the speed and violence with which they do so until finally capsizing it and drowning everybody on board. If, on the other hand, uh, the spirits are actually presented with the ladle as they requested, then they're going to proceed to use said instrument to fill the boat with salt water until causing it to sink or to capsize. So really, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. If you give them the ladle, they're going to use it to sink your vessel. And if you don't, then they're just going to rock you back and forth till they knock you over into the sea and drag you down. Dear God, there's no winning there. Okay, so I do have a quick question before you go back into your stories. That first option, they rock your boat until pretty much it flips. You, you're going to die slash drown. Second option, you give them the ladle. And you pretty much fill your goddamn boat. And boats are huge until pretty much, what, like sinks in a sense? Right. So then, like, let's say that for the first option. Of course, like, if the boat flips, what happens if someone doesn't die or drown? Like, did they escape then? The assumption with this is no survivors. So no survivors if you get to either of those two scenarios. If they capsize your boat, then you're getting dragged down. If uh, they fill your boat with seawater, then you're going to drown. That being said, there is a way to beat them. So there is a way to survive the encounter. Uh, there's two ways, actually. One of them is pretty straightforward, but both of them are going to be well-known to, you know, the older veteran, you know, experienced fishermen and sailors in Japan. 
And uh, the first way and the easiest way to survive really is to avoid these restless souls by avoiding the sea altogether on stormcast or foggy days when there's low visibility and a greater chance for storms or bad weather in general. And that's because that's exactly when the Funa Urei appear. Um, they appear at times when you shouldn't be out at sea anyway. So they kind of prey on the prideful and prey on these people that don't have sufficient respect for the sea. So moral of the story is just don't go fishing. Moral of the story is you're not that guy. Yeah, you're not, you're that, not guy. that guy. You're not that guy, guys. You're not going to go out on a shitty day and have a good time. Just respect the elements. And again, this is why like the more experienced fishermen um, talk about not really having that much fear because they know if the conditions aren't right, I'm not going to take that risk. And I'm going to have the proper deference not only to the sea, but maybe to the supernatural aspects that you know might be out there and that might pose a threat to you and your crew. It's kind of being that bigger person, being mature enough to recognize the inherent danger and saying, it's not worth it. I'm going to keep my ass at home. Uh, the second way, which the first one, like, yeah, it makes sense. But like, come on, like, just don't go out. Okay. The second one, which I didn't think of until I read it. And I wonder if any of our listeners uh, would have thought of is that what you're going to want to do is present the Fune Urei with a ladle whose bottom has been perforated in several spots. Now, of course... These holes are going to prevent the Fune Yurei from using the ladle successfully, and the frustrated spirits are eventually going to move on as they realize that their labors are fruitless. So, a ladle with holes in the bottom actually presents it to the Fune Yurei as they requested. They can't do shit with it, and they go on their merry way, is, is the second way to survive an encounter with them. That's actually kind of funny, but... You know, I think if I was that yokai, I think I would be really... I would think I would be pissed if someone gave me... <laughs> a fucking big ass spoon with holes in it i i had the same reaction when i read it it's like isn't that gonna piss them off more if anything but i think the rationalization that i came up with is that because these these funayure are the spirits of drowned sailors they these guys practice the same profession as the living sailors that they're trying to drown so maybe there's that sort of if not camaraderie then mutual respect of saying this guy maybe had the sufficient deference to have this on board uh, just in case fucking the Fune Yurei appears. So deference uh, for the supernatural, if not maybe for the sea, because they did at the end of the day go out to sea when they shouldn't have. That and they're clever enough. You know, they're smart enough to have thought of this. And just because of that, I'm not going to bother with them. I'm going to move on to easier prey. I have sufficient respect for these people who figure it out to not actually drown them dang i mean dude that's really interesting i'm not gonna lie and you know kind of thinking about the bigger picture too because you know how japan is like really invested into like their yokai and like their myths in general so like i wonder like if boats like today are still doing that like maybe just taking a a big ass spoon with holes in it or not to this day interestingly enough uh to this day sea captains in japan will not leave port like they'll refuse if they don't have one then you have to postpone it oh wait <laughs> if they if you don't have a ladle with holes in it then they're not gonna leave and we might cynically chalk that up to superstition and say like oh it's just a quaint folksy thing but maybe it's more about the symbolism that it entails of having deference for these things that are outside of your control. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you could be fucking the best 
sea captain out there. But, you know, the sea doesn't give a fuck. Like, the sea could still toss a tropical storm at you or whatever. So it's maybe just knowing in the back of your head, like, I'm... Despite everything that I can do, there's going to be things that I can't do. And just knowing that the supernatural or nature itself, like the Fune Yurei, things that are outside of your control exist. And you kind of just have to be respectful of that. Fair enough. That's a good way to put it. Um, Something that I forgot to mention, too, actually is that this isn't uh, an eternal thing. So if if you are drowned and capsized and become a Fune Yurei, then the only way to find, you know, peace at the end of the day is to go out and drown someone. So you're you're not you're not only gonna drown, but you're gonna become part of the spectral crew and you're gonna prowl the ceilings until you can find someone to replace you. That's the way to go. I don't know if that's the way I would want to go, but it's pretty petty. It's yeah. pretty petty. I would, I would, I, yeah. I would choose. I would choose not to. I don't know if it's a choice. Is the thing. Yeah. Fuck that. Um, that being said, that was the the little nautical story I wanted to share with you guys, and so we're gonna be leaving the seas off the coast of Japan in favor of the gritty, actually not so gritty, but um, still spooky streets of Japan. I'm going to pass the mic on over to my co-host, Daniel, who's going to hit us with some urban legends. Well, thank you so much, Noah, for that smooth transition into my stories. And yes, we're going to be coming back to land now and not, you know, to sea. Thank the Lord, because after you told me their whole domain was able to, you know, pretty much the whole domain is like practically everything. I'm like anywhere you can drown. Yeah. Literally anywhere. anywhere. You can drown. So, yeah, I'm not going to mess with that. So I think I'm going to stick with like land. But either way, it's still bad for both situations. Right. Remember that, folks. You're not safe anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Fuck. Go to the water. You're going to get fucked over by a Fune Yure. Go on land and you're going to be, you know, chased by whatever Daniel's going to share with us right now. Yeah. And that's very true. So these um this uh next urban legend slash folklore I'm going to be telling you guys is a very another famous one, which I'm pretty sure... If you know about Japanese folklore slash urban legend, you're probably going to know about it. But if you don't know, I'm going to be talking about a vengeful spirit called Slit Mouth Woman. Have you ever heard of this one before? I have, but not in the context that you're referring to. I've, I've, I've heard of... Let's continue. Let's continue, Daniel. Let's, let's, let's keep this PG rated. I have not heard of the Slit Mouth Woman as she relates to Japanese folklore. I'll leave it at that. Okay, then um, we'll just like, we'll probably cut that out later. Probably, I probably won't. I'll probably be too lazy. But um, that being said, this is a, you know, very famous story about a woman who you'll probably see if you're just like walking, like, you know, everything's usually night too. So you're probably either walking or you're probably just trying to like enter your house. You're just like, you know, relaxing outside. Probably you're trying to go somewhere, destination have said. And the story goes is that, you know, let's say if you are walking, you're going to get this very attractive woman coming to you. And, you know, Noah's, Noah's looking at me saying, just probably thinking, you know, attractive woman. Very huh? attractive. So we're talking, you know, six foot nine, 300 pounds, broad shouldered, mustachioed woman. Yes, exactly. Very attractive. But you can only see you by know, the way guys i just described daniel i just described daniel but um let's not read too much into that yeah i mean i kind of figured but you know i am pretty sexy in my own ways i will admit <laughs> that but going back to my story though is that you know this woman's gonna confront you and you know you could tell that she's very attractive but she's wearing a mask 
you know, like wood masks are worn, usually covering the mouth and the nose. And she asks you a simple question. Am I pretty? So, of course, now you have two options. You have two options, of course, and you kind of the think answer to yourself. The answer is always yes, though. Even if, even if the answer is no, the answer is always yes, because you're not a garbage human being. And you're not going to tell a stranger that they're ugly. The answer is yes. Am I right? Okay. Do I win the prize? So, you're probably not going to like your prize. But depending on what you're going to answer, you're probably going to like it or not. So, since my good co-host Noah said yes, this beautiful lady takes off her mask. And from now, you can see her total face features. And you could tell that her mouth to her ears are all cut. Kind of like, you know, they're slitted. Kind of like, you know, the Joker, but without the makeup. So just literally a gash from year to year. Like if, like when someone's throat is slit, just that. Yes, exactly. And now she asks you another question. How about now? Mm, the intimidation factor would make me answer again, of course. If, if anything, I'm going to say it more convincingly. Oh, of, of course, you're just beautiful. Yes, it's going to be a strong yes for me again. Yeah, so if you did reply yes, which you did, you would have not gotten the good outcome. And that outcome would have been that since you said she looked beautiful, she would make you look just like her. No! Just as beautiful. So this kind of rewind. Okay. and um, these backtrack. Let's yeah, it's kind of backtrack. You know, she, um, and by the way, for these, none of them are pretty, you know, they're not good endings. You're practically either getting screwed over no matter what. So like the Funa Yure, you're either getting salt water dumped into your boat or you're getting fucking capsized with them rocking you back and forth. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Oh, but, but for yours, there was a win. And for this one, you know, so funny that we say this is that usually there isn't a win, but somehow there's always a win, but we'll get to that later. So let's rewind. She asked, she's asking you, am I pretty? Now you decide to reply with no. In that like instant, she just kills you. And for some reason in this story, there's different like variations, but she either has like a knife, like a scythe. And the most common one that I've heard about is that she has a big ass pair of scissors that she kills you with. So let's rewind one more time. You, she, you know, she asks the question again, am I pretty? You say yes. She takes off her mask. And if you say no this time, she also kills you. So, you know, like I said, there's legitimately no winning this at all. At all. Is there a but? Is there a but to the sentence? Is there a but? No. Yeah. So, um, there is a but to it. So, of course, if she asks you, am I pretty? And you say no, you will die. But if she asks you, you know, if I'm pretty, you say yes, she'll take off her mask and ask you again. How about now? So now you're not going to answer a yes or a no. Now you're going to ask her. No, now, yeah, now you're going to answer maybe. And then for some weird reason, this story goes as that if you answer maybe, this gives you an option to escape because it's going to leave her confused. That's such a douchey answer. I still wouldn't answer maybe. Guys, if a girl asks you if she's pretty and you guys say maybe, you're a piece of shit. Just fucking... I'll take the death. I'll take the horrible death. I'm not going to be that kind of human being. I'm not going to tell her maybe. I do appreciate your chivalry in this type of sense. But if if this woman presented me with her slit mouth, and, you know, if I did have a chance to say maybe, if that was an option, I think I would say that. Perhaps. Mm. Yeah. 
So you answer maybe uh, the the yokai is confused for however long it is, and you have your chance to make your escape. Okay. That's 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 how that's how you get out of it. That's, yeah, that's pretty much it. And it's kind of weird too because reading the story and just like different variations, like if you're able to escape, she doesn't seem to like you know chase after you or nothing like that. Now, what kind of person? Does she present herself? Is it completely random? Have you wronged someone? Is there any, you know, any kind of selection involved? Or is it truly just, it, it's it's a coincidence that you bump into this, into this creature? So from, from reading the stories that I have, you know, read, it's kind of just like coincidence. It's not really like, you know, she's only choosing specific like people, like not only men or anything like that. It could be anybody. That's, I mean... I was thinking about the the mask aspect, and now because of COVID, we oh the mask now oh yes 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 to it. But in Japan, is hasn't it been a commonplace thing, like since forever? If you have a cold or if you're sick, to just wear a mask out in public, even pre-COVID. So really, if this person walked up to you at night wearing a face mask, one you wouldn't think much of it, and two, Japan is an extremely safe place. Even if it's nighttime, if someone approaches you, you're not gonna feel threatened. You're not going to feel the need that you would feel maybe in America if you're approached at nighttime, even if it is by a beautiful woman, to get the fuck out of there, get the fuck out of Dodge. You're, you're going to try to be a decent human being and interact with this person, right? Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. I'm not going to lie, but that's pretty much how the story like ends, you know? But you, you are right, though. So again, rudeness saves lives, guys. Even if you're in the safest country ever, even if you're in Japan, just walk away. Yeah, if it's a beautiful woman. Don't fucking don't think with your dick. Just fucking just walk away. Yeah, just walk, walk away. away. It's not worth it. Yeah, um, that's, that's so true. One thing that I, I am kind of interested in is that I feel like a lot of these urban legends mainly revolve around like women or like little girls, or like yeah. not not even that, but even just like attractive people. So we're never gonna get to be urban legends, Daniel. Is that yeah. what you're trying to tell me? Pretty much. Maybe to someone's standards, yes. But not to everybody's. Mm, so Especially you. Oh. Alright, guys. All right, all right, I see how it is. Yeah, I felt the burn. It's hot in here. Mm. Alright, so... You hear that, ladies? If, if your boyfriend's ugly, then he's not a horrible monster. He's never gonna, you know, murder you guys. Is the lesson of this story. If, if you're with someone attractive, then they're really a demon in disguise. That's the lesson that I'm personally gonna choose to draw from this urban legend. Attractive people cannot be trusted and um, ugly bums like uh, Daniel and myself, but mostly Daniel, um, we can be trusted. Yeah, that's very really. true. Yeah. Except not at all. For real. But, you know, enough talking about Japanese folklore. I think we're all out of time. And then, of course, you know, um, you already told our beloved listeners in the beginning that this is going to be our last episode of Japan folklore for now. But just to talk about a little insight for the next episode. For our next episode, we are actually going to be having a guest. Am I right? Our, yeah. Uh, first, uh, the first of many firsts. Our first interviewee is going to be dear old Mr. Joseph Schmidty. Joseph Schmidty also works over at Schmarget with us. We're very excited to have him. Uh, we've been scouting for scary stories for a really long time now. He was the only person weird enough to agree to be on the show at this time. Uh, we're grateful to have him. Uh, he's our sup- He's my supervisor. I'm he's Daniel's my supervisor. supervisor too, yeah. I'm Daniel's supervisor. He's my supervisor, guys. So the top brass from Schmarget 
It's coming it's over coming to down. tell us a scary story. Coming down over from corporate, takes orders from Bullseye himself. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm really excited to, like, you know, see where this is going to go. So our next episode is going to be an interview episode. And then probably after that, we're going to talk a little bit more about that on the next episode. But enough talking about our next, you know, adventure. I'm going to be passing it on to know it to give you guys a little bit more information. All right. So this is um, we're we're deep into our episodes. You guys uh, you guys know the drill by now. Our email is the streetlights are on at yahoo.com. We could not afford gmail.com. Hopefully you guys will help us with that. But uh, yeah, the streetlights are on at yahoo.com. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. If you guys are creative writers, then shoot us over uh, a scary story of your own creation. Or if something spooky happened to you, happened to a member of your family, happened to a friend, send that on over to us as well. Send us a way to contact you. Um, and that's about it. Um, with that being said, don't get on spooky ghost ships. Don't go to train stations. Uh, don't be poor. Don't don't take the train. Just get a car. And remember, the streetlights are on.